Welcome to The Markets. Hello again. Along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson. For our weekly visit at probably the most nerve-wracking profession on the planet, being a trader and following Wall Street. My golly, another week of ups and downs that are almost unbelievable. Anyway, our dateline is Chicago, Friday, August 23rd. And as usual, we'll start with the numbers that ended the day and the week on Wall Street. The Dow Industrial Average down 616 points, 2.35%, ending the day at 25,635. The S&P 500 down 74 points, or 2.5%, at 2,848. The Nasdaq down 235 points, or nearly 3%, ending the day and the week at 7,755. For the week, the S&P down 1.5%, the Dow down 1%, and the NASDAQ down a little more than 1.75%. The Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ decline for fourth straight week, longest weekly losing streak for each since May. So let's take a look at some of the things that happened. We know, of course, what they were, the trade war that escalated today. And I guess one thing I want to mention, it takes two countries to have a trade war. So it's not just the U.S., but China is an important player in this one as well. And uh, they're probably changing their mind as often as we seem to. But Wall Street tumbled today after the China-U.S. trade war escalated in dramatic fashion. President Trump demanding that American companies seek alternatives to doing business with China after Beijing announced its own slate of retaliatory measures. The latest exchanges and the long-running tariff row triggered a broad-based sell-off that hit shares of companies with high exposure to China the hardest, such as chip makers and other top technology names. The developments overshadowed a highly anticipated speech from Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, in which he reiterated a pledge the central bank would, quote, act as appropriate to support the economy. But he stopped short of committing to the series of rapid-fire rate cuts that Trump has been demanding, and uh, President Trump tweeted response to the speech labeled Powell an enemy. Uh, One analyst said the president seems to be irate that China reacted to what the U.S. has done and is basically having a mini tantrum and is angry at everybody. He's angry at China. He's trying to put the blame on the market and the economy on Powell. Continuing the quote, At this point, it's very clear the issues have been coming to fruition of late with the economy and the slowdown are all trade-related and have very little to do with the Fed. Another analyst said the biggest folly is the belief that lowering interest rates by 25 or 50 basis points will do anything to revive the economy. Don't ask the Federal Reserve to bail out the economy because they're not going to be able to do it this time. 
But the escalating China-U.S. trade dispute has emerged as a major tripping point for the market in recent weeks, and today marked the third decline of more than 2% for the S&P 500 so far in August. The benchmark index has now dropped 5.8% in the last four weeks. Yields for two-year and 10-year U.S. Treasuries entered inversion territory. That, of course, is the classic recessionary red flag. The curve has traded in and out of inversion for the past three days. All 11 major sectors in the S&P 500 ended the session in negative territory, with the technology uh, section the biggest uh, loser today. Uh, biggest percentage loser, uh, sliding more than 3%. Trade-sensitive chip makers dropped on the trade rhetoric. The Philadelphia Semiconductor Index dropping 4.4%. Specialty retailer Foot Locker Incorporated dropped 19% on the heels of disappointing second quarter results. Computer hardware company HP announced the departure of Chief Executive Dion Weasler and forecast lower-than-expected fourth-quarter profit, sending its shares down about 6%. So it was a down day all the way around on Wall Street. A couple of other commodities we like to keep an eye on, oil prices. Well, there too, the China-U.S. trade war escalation impacted the oil market. Brent crude down 58 cents or 1% to settle the day and the week at $59.34 a barrel. U.S. crude fell a dollar 18 cents, a little more than 2%, to settle at $54.17 a barrel. And for the week, U.S. crude down one and a third percent. Brent rose 1.2% during the week. Besides focusing on the China-U.S. trade situation, there was also the speech by Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell at the annual Economic Symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Powell said the U.S. economy is in a favorable place and the Federal Reserve will quote, act as appropriate to keep the current economic expansion on track. The remarks gave very few clues about whether the central bank will cut interest rates at its next meeting, but St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank President James Bullard said policymakers will have a, quote, robust debate, unquote, about cutting U.S. interest rates by half a percentage point at their next policy meeting at the end of September. And then there's gold. Gold climbed 2% today. Investors interpreted the Fed chairman's speech as leaning toward a dovish monetary policy stance and President Trump's latest comments that exacerbated trade tensions with China. Spot gold up 1.9%, and it ended the day at $1,526.60 an ounce. So much for the history of the week, uh, not a very positive one certainly, but let's look ahead now to next week.
On the U.S. economic tap, the Commerce Department on Thursday will issue its second estimate, likely to show gross domestic product increase 2% in the second quarter. On Tuesday, a report from the Commerce Department expected to show Consumer Confidence Index dropped to 130 in August. That would be down from 135.7 in July. And then on Friday, the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures, PCE Price Index for July, expected to remain unchanged. The Labor Department on Thursday likely to show initial jobless claims rose to 215,000 from the 209,000 recorded at the week ending. And then on Friday, the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index for August likely to remain unchanged at 92.1. So, what about earnings reports? Workday Incorporated expected to post an increase of about 30% in second quarter revenue on Thursday. Dollar General Corporation expected to show an increase in second quarter profit and revenue on Thursday. The discount chain also expected to show growth in same-store sales, largely benefiting from its remodeled stores and the addition of private label products to shelves. On the same day, Dollar Tree is likely to report a huge drop in second quarter profit as the discount retailer faces a slew of issues from wage pressures, store closures, and higher import costs. Thursday, Best Buy Company expected to report an increase in second quarter sales Boosted by new subscribers for its tech support services, Wall Street will also keep a close eye on the company's comments on smartphone demand and the U.S. tariffs on imports of some Chinese electronics that are scheduled to go into effect in December. Tiffany and Company expected to report a decline in same-store sales in the second quarter on Wednesday. And also on Wednesday, Coty, C-O-T-Y, Coty expected to report a decline in fourth quarter revenue hit by the company's $3 billion write-down coupled with its lagging beauty business. The apparel maker PVH Corporation expected to report a decline in second quarter profit on Wednesday. Box Incorporated expected to report an increase in second quarter revenue. And uh, Bank of Montreal expected to report its third quarter results on Tuesday. That's Canada's fourth largest bank expected to post an increase in adjusted profit. So uh, we still have a lot of information coming out next week, and it'll be interesting to see what impact it has on the market with China and the U.S. still making the biggest impact. A quick look at home sales this week. U.S. home sales rose more than expected in July, boosted by lower mortgage rates and a strong labor market. The National Association of Realtors said Wednesday that existing home sales rose 2.5% to an annual rate of 5,420,000 units last month. But then later in the week, sales of new U.S. single-family homes dropped more than expected in July. Commerce Department said today that new home sales dropped 
nearly 13% to an annual rate of 635,000 units last month. Economists had expected a sales pace of 649,000 units. And new home sales were four and a third percent higher price-wise than in July of 2018. The median new house price was $312,800, down four and a half percent from a year earlier. So that's a look at the week just ended and what's coming up in the week ahead as far as the stock market is concerned. We'll get to our uh, agricultural comments when we continue on the markets. Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation Foundation is here to help. It's time to talk markets, and this week we visit with Rich Feltus, longtime friend and analyst with R.J. O'Brien, and we catch up with him on the phone in Colorado. And so we'll find out why he is there and what he feels about the current markets. Good morning to you, Rich, and what takes you to Colorado? Well, uh, yearly, R.J. O'Brien uh, brings out all, all of their uh, clients for a meeting, uh, our introducing broker clients primarily. We're the lar- largest IB FCM in the world, and we have over 300 gathering here just out of, outside of Denver in Aurora, Cal- uh, Colorado, in the new Gaylord Resort that's just opened. And we're going to be talking uh, markets and trade ideas and, of course, uh, the importance of compliance and staying straight with the CFTC uh, all over the next uh, day and a half. And we've got a great uh, list of speakers, uh, and that has drawn in a good crowd this year. What will you be? Well, I shouldn't ask this because I think I know, but what uh, topic will you be covering at this gathering? Well, I'll be, I'll be uh, chairing or moderating a grain panel, and we're going to be uh, going over the, uh, we've got two distinguished speakers that are on the panel. I'll be making some comments myself uh, regarding the latest on the trade update. And uh, we hopefully are going to be providing some uh, directional guidance. And I think from a little bit firmer foundation orient, typically our company has this meeting in March or April. And since we're having this now at the end of August, uh, we know more than we typically do in the late winter, early spring. We know U.S. crops are nearing maturity. We know we've got big small grain crops across Europe and the former Soviet Union. Uh, we know that uh, you know our markets are uh, are globally, economically, uh, slowing down. And we also know, especially after the news this morning, that any imminent breakthrough with China trade. Uh, seems very unlikely. So I think that's going to give us a little bit better foundation to make some price forecasts going forward. And of course, we just finished one of the annual summer uh, tours. Are we ever going to get real numbers on what we're seeing uh, with the weather delays we've had this year? Well, uh, two comments on that, and that's a very good question, Orion, uh, with regards to the pro-farmer tour. Uh, 
as I look at all the numbers, and what I look at, Orion, is the percentage decline in the pro-farmer corn yield versus last year. And I compare that against the percentage decline that USDA gave us in their corn yields on the August crop report. And surprisingly, uh, uh, USDA is uh, uh, right in the ballpark. Pro-farmer numbers are in effect confirming the USDA corn yield number. Now, soybeans, it's an entirely different story. Uh, the pod counts are well down. We know that the, plod, the beans are still potting. Uh, a lot is going to depend on the length of the growing season and the first frost date. But our pod count, for example, in the state of Illinois is just a little bit better than it was in 2012. And in 2012, uh, Orion, we had a final uh, soybean yield in the state of Illinois of 43 bushels. An acre USDA at the August crop report gave us a soybean yield for Illinois of 55 bushels per acre. So if there is any surprise, it's going, I think, be in the soybean sector. But in answer to your question, I, I think the September crop report coming up is just a, a modest exercise in replicating what they said in August. The real important number will be in October. There, USDA will have harvested a number of their sample plots, processed them, and weighed them through their labs. And that will be a big part of the yield forecast that we get in October. That's really going to be the first, I think, reliable crop report of the season because of this very unusual growing season that we've been living through. I think probably one of the most contentious points uh, coming out of the USDA reports is that corn yield per acre. What's your current feeling on that? Well, uh, I my view is that the corn yield will be coming down perhaps uh, three to four, maybe even five bushels an acre from USDA's 169. However, uh, that is not enough of a yield cut to really change the overall narrative of adequate uh, supplies. And we are at the time of the uh, in the calendar year as we're transitioning from supply focused to demand focused when the uh, demand news becomes more important. New crop Corn sales, Orion, are tracking 7 million tons out of the U.S. below what they were a year ago. Uh, we know that uh, even though Gulf corn values have, have eroded and Argentine corn premiums have advanced, Argentine corn is still the cheapest corn in the world. And we had another export sales report yesterday, which was quite frankly uh, disappointing on our weekly corn export sales. So uh, uh, even though this corn crop may be shrinking, there's a fear that the demand is also shrinking. It's just not going to be enough until we get verification in October that perhaps there's a big surprise or there's a very early freeze that uh, uh, takes a lot of test weight out of the corn and hence yield and production. Uh, save those events, uh, this transitioning of, of focus to demand, I think, is going to be a you know, what we start running on uh, in terms of uh, market primary factor focus uh, after the October crop report. One of the areas that uh, Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue is being challenged uh, by farmers is the uh, markets that we have lost because of the trade war. And a lot of farmers are saying we'll not get them back. What do you feel on that? Well, I, I think there is some truth to that, maybe even more than some. Uh, the Secretary has also said that over the last decade, the U.S. soybean farmer has probably become too reliant on the Chinese market. Uh, it was an excellent story by the Reuters folks earlier this week about 
the uh, North Dakota soybean farmer, uh, now one of, you know in the top five soybean producing states, and uh, the fact that they don't have the uh, crushing infrastructure up there as a backstop to take the beans uh, vis-a-vis their primary outlook via shuttle trains out to the PNW to load in vessels to go to China. That has virtually dried up uh, and impacted those upper-grade plains producers more than your central Midwest producers. Uh, China right now, Orion, uh, last week stated publicly that they can uh, 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 bridge the gap in their soybean needs uh, through the fourth quarter of 2019. Uh, we know their crush rate is down. We know their hog numbers are way down. And uh, we know they're committed to uh, diversifying as much as possible away from the U.S. in terms of sourcing uh, soybeans. It looks to us, and again, this comes indirectly through uh, my contacts at the Commodity Markets Council in Washington, that it's unlikely that this trade uh, fracas is going to be resolved prior to the 2020 election. I think it's well known in Washington and Beijing that the uh, Chinese would prefer a Trump loss, that they would have an easier trade negotiating partner with a Democratic president. And it appears now that we're in a waiting game on the part of the Chinese to to wait out this president and hope uh, that he doesn't survive another four years. So your basic question, I, I think it's correct. At least through the fall elections next year, there doesn't look to be much hope of gaining back uh, much of this very important uh, Chinese soybean demand market that has really been a boom to U.S. soybean production. And finally, the Chinese government said they weren't buying any more ag products from the United States, but yet this past week we reported a couple of export sales. Are they changing their mind, or was that done before they made the announcement? Well, it's not. I know what you're exactly what you're referring to, and it's not entirely clear whether that uh, that purchase uh, was a new purchase or simply uh, rolling that purchase uh, from an undecided into a you know a known origin. Uh, you know, the Chinese are very adept at those kind of games. They're well aware of how our markets work and how to uh, uh, play our markets to their advantage in terms of their hedging strategies. Uh, after the events this morning, though, with these additional tariffs that have been announced uh, with the soon after the opening here in Chicago on Friday, uh, it, the odds of any additional purchases here in the near term to appear to be very scant unless there's some sort of a breakthrough on the trade talks and we resume at least a goodwill resumption of U.S. soybean purchases at a modest scale. At this point, that's, I think, the most we can hope for. As always, we thank you, and particularly this morning, for taking time away from that conference in Colorado, and uh, we'll stay in touch with you as we get more reports. Our visit with Rich Feltus, R.J. O'Brien in Chicago. Always a pleasure to visit with Rich Feltus and share his knowledge with you on the markets. In other agricultural news this week, the Trump administration is considering ramping up biofuel blending quotas in the coming years to uh, help cut the anger in the farm belt over its recent broad use of waivers for small refineries. However, it is not planning to rescind any of the exemptions it has granted so far, and that will still keep a lot of corn and ethanol producers unhappy. 
That happened when he summoned Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue and EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler to the White House to discuss ways to boost biofuel demand. Well, the most major of all the summer crop tours took place this week, and Pro Farmer, a division of Farm Journal Media, uh, today forecast the 2019 U.S. corn harvest would drop 7.4% from last year, and the soybean crop would plunge 23% after excessive rain stalled planting this spring. The tour of seven top-producing states produced numbers that were below USDA's projections issued on August 12th. The tour projected the corn crop at 13.3 billion bushels. That's based on an average yield of 163.3 bushels per acre. And that's below USDA's forecast of 13.9 billion and an average yield of 169.5 bushels per acre. Soybean production projected at 3 billion 497 million bushels based on an average yield of 46.1 bushels per acre and that's below the latest USDA production outlook for a 48.5 bushel per acre yield. If the projections of the tour are realized, the corn crop would be the seventh largest on record and the soybean crop would be the sixth largest crop on record. But uh, the markets uh, acted more to international activity and trade situations than to uh, the crop tour numbers, although they're certainly at play. But analysts I'm talking to say it'll probably be October before we get a fairly uh, upbeat, or I should say accurate, uh, crop projection. And, of course, we'll probably wait till January to get the final numbers. But for the day today, with all of the trade activity going on and the weather and the projections of the crop tour, here's where we ended. December wheat up five and a quarter cents. It'll start Monday at $4.77 and three quarters cents. December corn down four cents for the day. It'll start trading Monday at three sixty-seven and three quarters. November soybeans dropped thirteen and three quarters cents today, and that means it'll start trading Monday at eight dollars fifty-six and a half cents a bushel. Looking at livestock futures at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. The December lean hog contract down $2.60, $58.77 is where we'll start the Monday trade. October live cattle down $1.52, and that contract will start Monday at $99.40 a hundredweight. October feeder cattle dropped $3.05 after being limit down at points in the trading session today. So that means that market will start at $132.52 a hundredweight on Monday. Now, as we look ahead to next week, well, first of all, before this week comes to an end on uh, Sunday, the Half Century of Progress show in Rantoul, Illinois, will wind up its 2019 event. 
According to Max Armstrong, a great crowd and a great lineup of machinery at the Half Century of Progress. That's a show that takes place every other year in uh, the uh, old Chanute Air Base in Rantoul, Illinois. But then, starting next Tuesday, it's the granddaddy of all of the outdoor farm shows. Farm Progress Show will start Tuesday, and according to Matt Youngman, who is the guy that puts it all together, they have 600 exhibitors lined up on the improved permanent site at Decatur, Illinois. And uh, we'll be there all three days. When I say we, Max Armstrong and I will be there all three days. And uh, uh, Max will be making appearances at several different exhibitors. I'll be at the University of Illinois display every day at 10 o'clock. And uh, then at noontime, Max and I will get together in the at the ADM stage in the hospitality tent uh, to put our television show together. And uh, on Wednesday, the 28th, Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue will visit the show. On Tuesday, we'll have an opportunity to uh, visit with visitors from around the world. And then on Wednesday, in addition to the Secretary of Agriculture, there will be a lineup of state secretaries of agriculture participating in an annual tour of the show. So come see us at Farm Progress Show next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Decatur, Illinois. That's our time. Thank you for joining us on The Markets. <music>